Hello and welcome to another episode of That's What People Do. You are joined by me, Ryan McGowan, and as always, James Kay. How are you feeling, buddy? I'm much better. Thank you, Ryan. Much better. Haven't been very well, but we're back. Stronger. Yeah. Yeah. Now, we, we were due to record this sort of Thursday of last week, but James couldn't speak. Mm. It's been a horrible week of, of sickness. Not COVID, though. So that's the important thing to to remember here. Just uh, Just another illness. Exactly. It's just man flu. Man flu, exactly that. <laughs> um, so, guys, it's it's here. Halloween special is here. Um, this is an episode that I've said to James many times now. This is like the episode I've been putting this off for like a year. I was going to do this episode last year sometime. And I've put it off and I've put it off and I've put it off because I want to do it justice. I want you guys to just enjoy it and just get creeped out and just I just want it to be good. So I finally got round to writing this episode. This is part one of Albert Fish, okay? Uh, for most people who are like really into their true crime, you definitely know who this guy is. But for those who maybe have a fleeting fancy with it, maybe you've not heard of this guy. But um, this episode's going to get dark Uh Part two is going to be worse, but just as a disclaimer from the start, this episode is going to contain um, uh, talking of sexual abuse, uh, sexual abuse towards children, and um, uh, sort of uh, physical pain toward oneself and to other people. So just be pre-warned if you are squeamish. um, I know we had, uh, mainly from my mum, a few complaints about the Sylvia Likens story and how graphic it was uh, 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 directed towards a child. So um, this is going to be worse in some places. So just be aware of that. Uh, with that Joys. S- yeah. With that said, uh, James, are you ready to delve into this dark world? Yeah, let's do it. I know um, even when we used to record in person, I remember you having this book out. Oh, this yeah. was what 2019 i yeah. guess or like early 2020 mm-hmm. so it's been a it's been a long time coming so let's see what it's all about oh yes so let's talk about albert fish america's boogeyman now we've all heard the term stranger danger it's a phrase that is often told to us by our parents when we're kids because let's be honest kids are naive and gullible it doesn't take much to trick them so instilling in them the idea that if you don't know someone don't trust them is a tried and tested method to keeping your child safe. Another method, of course, is to tell them about awful monsters who lurk in the dark or look for badly behaved children to take them away forever. Monsters like the boogeyman. Now, it doesn't take long for children to realise that these are just simple lies told by their parents. But what happens when the boogeyman turns out to be very real indeed? And it's not just the children that are scared of him but the parents too. It's February the 11th, 1927, late afternoon on a Friday in Brooklyn, New York. It's unusually warm for the season, but kids are taking advantage of it playing outside in the street. Kids like Billy Beaton, aged three, and Billy Gaffney, aged four. The two boys start playing in their apartment complex. And this is a poor area, and their homes are usually one room with very little natural light. Hearing the boys playing in the hall is 12-year-old Johnny McNiff. He was home alone, looking after his baby sister, when he left her there to play with the boys. Soon he heard his infant sister crying, 
and went home to check on her. When he re-emerged from his apartment, the two boys were gone. By this time, Billy Beaton's dad came out of his apartment and found Johnny looking confused. When he explained that both Billy's had just disappeared, he began to worry. He searched outside in the street to see if the boys were with the other children playing, but no luck. He searched up the apartment to the top floor and saw his young son standing by the ladder to the roof, alone. He hugged his son and asked where he'd gone. His son recalled an adventure of going on top of the roof to see all the apartments around the area, how he saw all the chimneys and he saw steamboats in the bay. But where is Billy Gaffney? Is he still on the roof? His dad said. His young son shook his head. Where is he? The boogeyman took him, says young Billy. The three-year-old's answer was not unusual for children of that age. They are great at creating scenarios to avoid getting into trouble. But Billy Gaffney wouldn't be the only child to go missing in the area. He was one of many, and he wouldn't be the only one to say it was the boogeyman who did it. In the late 19th and early 20th century, there was a predator on the prowl. A boogeyman, or grey man, as recalled by many, who stalked children, molested hundreds, murdered three, and possibly ate them too. The grey man's name is simply Albert Fish. But let's start... Good reveal. Oh, thank you very much. It's almost like I've taken my time to really write this one. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a good like narrative, like through story what's the word i don't know what the word is it feels like a storybook i'm enjoying it oh good i hope everyone else is too i like maybe the, maybe these little breaks is going to be very good for this episode like we had with sylvia likens who, who was that um there was a listener from uh new york was, or was it new jersey I, I do forget so apologies who uh messaged us on twitter and was like thank you for your little rainbows and uh fresh yeah it's important <laughs> yeah to have these little breaks <laughs> yeah just think about puppies yeah sporadically you know just the world's not all doom and gloom. Yeah, exactly. Now, if, uh, like I said at the beginning, disclaimer, you know, this shit is going to get dark. If at all you do, do you need to have a break? Just pause, take a have, take a breather, and we'll carry on. Um, so, yeah. But let's start where we always do, right? Let's get back to good old, uh, that's what people do, way of doing it. Albert's birth name was Hamilton Howard Fish. He came into this world on May the 19th, 1870. His dad, Randall Fish, was 75 years old when his youngest son came into the world, which is... What the fuck? Yeah, that's old. Like, he was 75 and still, you know, getting... It's quite impressive that everything's still working. I know. No blue pills then. Fair play to him. I mean, just respect. Now, the interesting bit as well here is that Randall Fish is 43 years senior to Albert's mother. Oh, my God. Well, I suppose... Oh, I mean, it's the, it's... Men can have kids whenever the fuck they want. Women sort of have a time frame. Yes, although relatively recently, I believe there was a woman in India who had a child at 70. I don't know how that works. I mean, there's lots of problems that come up with that as well. Even with like elderly male parents, there's, there's, there's issues, isn't there? But this is not what this episode's about. But there's... No. <laughs> there's problems. So Albert was one of... Or Hamilton at the time, was one of four living siblings in total and was of, quote, good stock. Now, I use quotes for this as Albert himself would say he was of English stock or revolutionary English, the first European-Americans. 
Now, politically speaking, he isn't too far off the mark. He had a distant family member who was a congressman, and there are prominent political figures somewhere in his ancestry. But psychologically speaking, his stock is of mixed results. His family had a history of mental illness, from an uncle who suffered from mania, a brother who ended up in a state mental hospital, to his mother who had quite frequent audio and visual hallucinations. Now, Albert's first five years were better than most kids. He would have been in the middle class bracket. His father was a riverboat captain, but that was until his elderly father passed away when Albert was merely five years old. This is the issue with elderly parents. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. (laughs) He's not going to see him grow up. Now, because of of this, his mother couldn't afford to keep all the children at home, and young Albert was sent to an orphanage for four years until his mother could find work and support the family. Bear in mind, it took this woman four years to find a job, and I don't imagine she's had many jobs beforehand, so it's one of those, what, I have to work? And just was like, took three years to get get around to the idea that she's going to get a job, and then the next year, finding one. Yeah, there's no... uh... Job seekers allowance, I can't imagine. Uh, well, no, you'd be surprised. There was sort of some uh, supplements for families that were struggling um, in this time. But yeah, probably not brilliant. Um, so it was here that it's believed the monster was created. Fish's description of the orphanage was that it, this was where, quote, I got started wrong. We were unmercifully whipped. I saw boys doing many things they should not have done. During his time in the orphanage, Albert, still named Hamilton, was subject to name-calling. In fact, his nickname was Ham and Eggs, which he absolutely hated, but that's not even half of it, because let's be realistic, Ham and Eggs is not a bad nickname. No, it's not bad. I mean, what's the context there, though? I don't know. Well, it's just his name is Hamilton, so he's just calling him Ham and Eggs. Kids are clever. Kids are clever. Kids are very clever. <laughs> um, were you ever bullied for your name? Yes, I was name called because my surname is K-A-Y, which just changed the K for a G. Oh. And there you James go. James <laughs> Yeah. Very good. Kids are clever. Kids are clever. In fact, my one... Kids are my, clever. Very my mean. one, as, uh, as all our listeners will know, my surname is McGowan, but that... Uh, as as will be a revelation to you now, was not my surname as a child. My surname was my father's surname, which is Thacker. Uh, and you can imagine it was very easy for children to find Thacker and turn it... Ah, uh, yes, I'm already yeah, there. Yeah, we're already there. Uh, so uh, I'll leave that to you guys to decipher. Now, he absolutely hated being called Ham and Eggs, all right? But like I say, it wasn't the worst thing he had there. He was subject to continuous beatings and rampant sexual abuse throughout his time there, not just by the staff members working there, but by the other boys in the orphanage. Um, Fish recalls one occasion where the staff were whipping six boys at a time naked so that the others could watch. While doing this, they read passages from the Bible about sins and how they were whipping the sin from the boys. It's here, at the age of six or seven, that Fish claims to have had his first sexual awakening at the sound and sight of screaming boys being whipped. Now, this sexual gratification from religion, pain and screaming became lodged in Fish's mind for the rest of his life. It is thought that had he not gone to the orphanage, 
he very likely would not have gone on to become the monster he became. A child's formative years are so important to the people we become. Now, we've mentioned before on the show how the most common sexual fetish is the foot fetish and that that comes from playing with your parents' feet when you're crawling around on the floor as an infant. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So that's a revelation to anyone if you didn't know. That's where the foot fetish comes from. When your parents cannot be asked to play with you and they just give you their foot, that's where it comes from. That's fucking hideous. Yeah. Now, this primal joy is remembered, and same goes here for Albert Fish. He began to enjoy the beatings and would get some form of sexual release from them. And this is like this is the problem of being exposed to sex at such a young age, uh, in a, in in the completely wrong environment and, and mm. with the completely wrong context. Um, this is not a, this should not be a sex like he's, he's he's been introduced to a sexual act that no child should ever be uh, shown or uh, uh, present for, um, and so their introduction to it is one that is abhorrent and terrible, and that's all he knows. Yeah. Um, now. When Fish was nine, his mother had got a job, well done to her, and was able to take him home from the orphanage, but he didn't have the middle-class life from when he was little. His mother now had a government job, so made just enough to sort of settle him. But back at home, the weirdness continued. Fish no longer wanted to be referred to as Hamilton because of his silly nickname. Instead, he wanted to be called Albert after a dead sibling. Now, Fish is away from the orphanage, but he still desired the pain-induced rush he had acquired. He would listen to stories from his older brother who was serving in the Navy about famines in China where he saw people killing children simply to butcher them and eat their meat because the meat, quote, tasted better. And by the age of 12, Fish had made a new friend. Now, we don't know the name or much else about this new friend, But we know that he was a telegraph boy and that he had introduced fish into the pleasures of drinking urine and eating feces, two pastimes that Albert Fish would continue to practice for the rest of his life. You started it with pleasures. Well, some people do it. I mean, I wouldn't use the word pleasures. (laughs) Okay, right. So bear in mind as well, uh, just quickly to finish off that point, this is a 12-year-old boy who now has another friend of a similar age who introduces him to drinking piss and eating shit. And that is like a totally... That, that becomes a sexual thing for him as well for his entire is their life. body's just not completely rejecting this? Right, so this is a thing. Now, in the next episode, I may cover it a little bit more, but I, I don't necessarily think it's that important. But during the trial, uh, Albert Fish's defence lawyer is asking lots of psychologists... Uh, in in an attempt to claim that he is insane, saying, is drinking urine and eating feces something that an insane man would do? And loads of the psychologists, and bear in mind, this will be in the 1930s, right? Lots of the psychologists are like, no, we know many people that like enjoy uh, drinking urine and eating feces. Um, it's, it's totally a normal thing for quite a few people to do. It's a bit out there. It's a bit left field. But it is totally normal for uh, people of consenting age to do. So it turns out quite a lot of people do it. And th- and then the defence lawyer for Albert Fish is like, okay, it turns out I don't know a lot about sex. What? Yeah, he's like, well, evidently I don't know much about sex because you're telling me that quite a few people do this. And it's like, yeah, people have fetishes and weird things that they do. 
fucking own up. Who are you, weird people? <laughs> Stop eating shit and shitting on people. I mean, there's like there's like entire categories of porn of like piss play, they call it, isn't it? I don't know, Ryan. I've never ventured down that avenue. <laughs> <laughs> That makes me sound really weird now, but it totally yeah, exists. Please, you seem to know a lot, please. It totally explain. exists. Anyway. <laughs> no, it's wrong, man. Stop it. Oh, dear. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, listen, it's not for me. It's not for me. That That's... No. Now, mm. during his teenage years, Fish would wander YMCA's to attend the bathhouses where he would ogle at naked boys and men. He became a boy prostitute for a time, and even spent time in Belgium working at a brothel where he performed flagellation on clients and received it too. So that's all pretty intense to start with, right? Mm. <laughs> so let's just take a second to dissect the info and really talk about sex. Um, I feel like we, <laughs> we're on the right path there. Um, uh, many of the things that fish has experienced or practiced so far in his life are relatively common fetishes in the world of sex as i mentioned about the drinking urine and and feces and whatnot so um common voyeurism uh bdsm and like i say even drinking urine and eating feces albeit less common still happen many people do this but the key here is that we're not really here to judge what gets you off okay so whatever floats your boat all right if you want to drink i am i'm here to fucking judge <laughs> no dude gotta turn your judgment dial down a bit here um no <laughs> stop shitting on each other <laughs> you never heard of a steamy lunch y- yeah it, it, it's just it's unacceptable uh, what, how do you know you like that because at some point no one is born with the knowledge that they might like that i don't think so at some point they've been like can you just shit on me and we'll see yeah, no, you, you're right. I mean, I'll get onto it on the next paragraph, right? Um, we can continue to talk about that, right? But the, like I say, the key here is, right, James James is not here to judge you, even though he is. I, I'm definitely not here to judge you. If whatever gets you off, that's your thing, right? But it's more, so long as it's done with A, consent, and B, is practiced safely in the correct setting, then I'm all for it, okay? I mean, if you want to shit on each other in your own bedrooms, go fucking crazy, but... <laughs> That's still bizarre. Yeah, I, I mean, it's not... Well, put some towels down. Oh, yeah, I'm sure there are many a towel on the floor and around. Um, unless people... Is it like solid poo? Or is it like, do you have a curry beforehand? I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm not sure I really want to sort of... That'll change the experience. Delve into the details of it all. <laughs> God. Hmm. <laughs> so, um, we we also kind of need to briefly cover how people learn about themselves and sex, which is sort of uh, goes on to your question of how do people get into these sort of things. So, for humans, sex isn't just about reproducing, okay? It's fun. It gives you a rush of hormones and endorphins that encourage you to continue doing it, right? It, on a biological level, it, it completely makes sense, right? All your DNA does, all the structures that make you a human all it wants to do is just make another version of yourself and keep going, right? Mm. Now, the way we do that, of course, as, as a species is by having sex. Now, if sex wasn't enjoyable, we would not have sex and there would not be more humans and the DNA would not continue down the line. So it has to make it fun. Um, it has to make it enjoyable uh, so that humans continue to do it. Um, so that's why we do it. And like a drug, most are always wanting uh, to better that feeling that they get. Now, some choose to adapt their sexual experience with things such as pain or role play. But the most important thing about that is learning it yourself 
over time in a safe space. Albert Fish didn't get that. He was abused as a child, so his introduction to sex was a warped one. For him, sex was associated with children, with pain and with religion. The worse the better, and his drive to feel that rush of sexual gratification would lead him to do terrible things. So I don't know if that answers your question a bit more in terms of like, you know, some people would have sex and sometimes sex can get boring for them. So they have to try different things or they fantasize about trying something oh, yeah. new. Yeah, we've, we've all seen it when people have been in like a relationship for way too long mm. and it's just become a bit, a bit boring. Yeah, you'll hear many stories I... of uh, couples that uh, go off to have affairs and say that it actually improved their marriage because, you know, yeah, yeah, it, absolutely. it dried out for some reason. And now this gave them something just... else to do go shit on each other apparently <laughs> really ha really sort of staying on that point <laughs> it's just weird ryan i don't know who first came out there's nothing to me like screams sex the the act of shitting on someone what what's nice about that uh i don't know that's just your body rejecting like the food and waste it doesn't want yeah yeah no it, i think i think it must be a thing to do with uh power and having someone have power over you and making you feel lesser of a person maybe listen if right, there are, okay. if there are any listeners okay. that are into it do feel free to message us and tell us what exactly it is you get from it um i prom yeah i promise i won't judge you i'm just here to learn <laughs> because to me it just sounds so well weird. on that are you ready to start getting into it properly oh we, we weren't there already okay go on then no <laughs> great now in 1898 aged 28 Fish was back in the United States, having been uh, to Belgium and whatnot, and he's now back in New York. Uh, he lives here, and his mother lives nearby too, but his mother had arranged for him, he's 28 now, uh, to uh, get married. He's like, listen man, you're near 30, you need to start you know, growing up, you need, to get, you need to get yourself a wife and a family. So she arranges for him to get married to a 19-year-old called Anna Mary Hoffman. Now... Maybe having someone to love would be good for him. They would go on to have six children together. But I'm certain that if she knew the depravity of Fish's mind, she would not have let him breathe in her vicinity. See, Fish was a painter and decorator by trade and oftentimes made the basement of the buildings he worked in his space to keep his trade equipment. Oftentimes he worked in places like the YMCA's or orphanages or stuff like that. Um mainly places where there are children, and I think you might get where we're going. See, what he had actually acquired was a quiet space for himself to operate in. Now, he claimed that for the years previous, going back to 1890, he, and this is like eight years or so, nearly a decade, he had been molesting and raping dozens of young children in across 20-plus states Brilliant. in the United States all the while wearing his painting overalls with nothing underneath. Mm. Now, um, the reason I mention the overalls uh, is that it serves two purposes. Um, of course, one, it allowed him to get some sort of uh, personal kick from being practically naked in front of many people. Um, and so that was quite devious and you know dark for him. He was like, yeah, that, that, that gets him off. It's like I said, the worse, the better for him. Okay, so like going back to like sexual stuff, I don't understand the shitting, but that one I sort of get. Yeah, I yeah yeah no, I, I can get that too. Like it's one of those like it's, the risk it's of being found out sort of thing. 
yeah, that's, I think that's the buzzword there. The risk of it all. I I, I, not not the for him. sexually assaulting children part. We'll put that to one side. But the the, the act of like being semi-naked in public or doing something you shouldn't do with the risk of being caught. That, I think that's a common thing, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I would say so. There's many people that uh, like to do sexual parts with their partners in public and in an attempt to try to not get caught. Um, yeah. Uh, many people use um, changing rooms in uh, clothes shops. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, which I, I would assume that's why they have separate ones. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you guess. But nowadays, with uh, they're just kind of doing like non-binary ones, aren't they? Or what are they like? Just multi-gender. Gender Anyone neutral. Can use it. That's the gender yeah. neutral. That's the phrase. Mm. Um. So yeah. Well, yeah, that's fine. So, like, as we've got, he likes to wear nothing underneath his overalls because it gives him some sort of kick. Um. But obviously, the other one being that uh, he can remove it very quickly and he would then be naked so that he could perform his horrific acts on children and then when he was done he can whip it back on and get out of there as soon as possible but albert fish's depravity wasn't just aimed at children he maintained a string of male lovers during his marriage one of which took him to a waxworks museum and fish became enamored with one particular model it was a cross-section of a human penis and here was something new to try. Genital mutilation. Yeah, that's a no. Yeah, that is a no. I like the idea of him to go to Madame Two Swords. <laughs> it's just, you know, getting off on that. Mm. Now, in 1903, Fish was arrested for larceny and sentenced to a term at Sing Sing Prison in New York. When he re-emerged, he was beginning to have audio and visual hallucinations just like his mother. He claimed he was receiving messages from Jesus and God. He had begun to whip himself with some homemade cat and nine tails. And in more severe cases, he was inserting needles into himself. But he's not just pricking himself with needles, I will sort of mention. This guy is inserting them, James, into his body. Now, initially, uh, he's just... He is just pricking himself. But then he was like, I'm going to try a bit more. So he he actually tries to insert these sewing needles into his testicles, but found them to be too painful. So instead, he found that he could insert them into his perineum. And I mean insert them in his perineum. Albert Fish would insert sewing needles. Basically, you, know, you know your perineum is your gooch, right? Yeah, I didn't, but now I do. Right, okay, so uh, for everyone else, maybe Americans, you use this word, I think, perennium. In the UK, we use gooch, so I'm going to refer to it as gooch from now on. If you I, know I, I was talking about, on, on a bloke, just the bit in between the arse crack and the ball sack. Yes. Uh, Albert Fish would insert sewing needles so far up into his gooch area that he could not get them out again. What, sorry, he wasn't even removing them? No, he was just putting them up there. Oh, right, okay. As you do. Yeah. <laughs> um, so later on in his life, an x-ray is taken on Albert Fish and he is told that he is full of them. In fact, he has 29 sewing needles in his pelvic region alone. That's just hideous. Am I allowed to judge here? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. Heavy judgment. Heavy, Heavy judgment. judgment. Now, um, 
of course, he can't get them out again. And these are sharp implements. These are sewing Ooh. needles. Uh, now, this serves really two purposes as well. Albert is able to um, induce uh, uh, sexual pain on himself um, that gets him off. But also, it's a long-lasting pain. So he he might be sat down. Uh, it, like it was noted that Albert would take his time to sit down because obviously he can't just like bump down on a sofa because <laughs> it might hurt a lot. So he would sit on like chairs and be very uncomfortable. And that was mm. again that was like a continuous sexual thing for him. Surely he's doing internal damage there. You think, but no, no. He's been doing this since he's like late twenties and. This man lives on to be about 60-odd. Mad. Don't do Mm. it at home. Don't try it at home. Yeah. Now, like I say, remember, Albert's love of pain is not necessarily derived from himself receiving it, although he does get satisfaction from it. His real desire is to inflict pain on someone else. And in 1910 or 1911, he finds his first, I use the (laughs) willing, air quotes, participant. Now, while working in Delaware, Fish came across a 19-year-old boy called Thomas Kedden. Now, Kedden had been train hopping from south uh, and, and travelling up north. Now, also aboard this train were five black men. Now, it's not necessarily relevant that these are five black men. It's just in, in my book that I use for research. Uh, it's how they're described. So I'm using that as well. Now, while on the journey... All of them had been engaging in sexual favours, performing oral sex and sometimes more. Now, it's unclear as to the levels of consent that might have been given by all, but considering Kedden was mentally disabled and had the appearance of a boy much younger than his 19 years, it seems likely that he was easily manipulated. And that's exactly what drew Fish to him. When he picked up Kedden, he was infested with lice, Fish stripped the boy down, cleaned him and shaved his entire body, including his genitals. Fish then began a two to three week orgy of sadistic and masochistic activities with the boy. Fish would be whipped and beaten. He would play role playing games like teacher and student or father and child and um, which sounds a bit bizarre anyway, but oftentimes it seems that Fish actually played the student or he played the son in these games. Uh, and he would play that he was a naughty little boy that had been misbehaving and needed to be punished. Now, he mm. also he also had the boy Kedden urinate and defecate on him, which Fish would, in turn, drink and eat. Uh. But these games were not just for Fish. He would force Kedden to also partake in the eating and drinking of human secretions. He would whip the boy and he would beat him. He on one occasion sliced the boy's butt cheek open with a knife and drank the blood from the wound. But the frenzy came to an end when Fish pushed it too far. Fish tied Kedden up to the bed naked. He stimulated his genitals and with a pair of scissors began cutting off his penis. We don't know why, but Fish seemed to have had a change of heart mid-act and stopped. He tried to bind the wound as best as he could, left $10 on the bed and fled the city, thus ending the so-called Kedden episode. What the fuck? (laughs) 
I mean, the weirdest part is that he stopped and ran away. Right. So my only theory as to why he stopped is that um, he's building up to it, of course. So the last time we mentioned the uh, genital mutilation was when he was at the Waxwork Museum with another boy lover of his. And he Mm. saw the cross section of the male penis and was like, oh, my God, I'd love to cut off a penis. He's now got his opportunity to really go for it. And he's had like two weeks with this boy, just like getting off on being whipped, punishing the boy, being punished, being a boy, role playing. And now he's like, just, I think he's just built himself up, hyped himself up to the point where I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And then while doing it, I think maybe the reality of it set in and he's like, I'm not ready yet. I can't do this yet. So I think he's escalating, but he's not quite there yet. And I think that's why he stopped. But it's the fact right. that he started and he was midway of cutting off this poor boy's penis with a pair of scissors. Yeah, and scissors wouldn't be a clean chop either. That would like take a while. Exactly. It's the fact that he didn't go all the way with cutting off the penis, which means it's like a slow trying to just, you know, opening and closing the scissors, trying to cut mm. it. Yeah. Yeah. Gross. Yeah, poor boy. And the fact that he was just left $10. Like, how much would you have to be paid to have your penis cut off with a pair of scissors. Oh, I wouldn't. There's no there's no money. There's that no money. Let me ever do that. <laughs> so we, we we pick up a few years later, um, in nineteen seventeen, Albert Fisher's wife leaves him for their lodger, a man called John Straub. Now I'm not saying that Fish loved his wife or cared that much for her. In fact, a psychologist close to him regarded Fish as incapable of, quote, experiencing love for any mature person. But I can imagine he wasn't overly keen on his wife leaving because he would need someone to look after his children. Now, interestingly, despite the fact that he has molested tens, if not hundreds of children at this point and performed many a depraved act on people, Albert Fish, by all accounts, was a very loving and very devoted father. That might be surprising to hear. So he was both mother and father and by his own account did, quote, every honest thing a man could do in order to provide for my family. Now, even at his trial, with all his children knowing what he had done, they always stood by his character as a father, with only one of them publicly denouncing him. They say he never struck or beat them when when they misbehaved. They say that he seemed to be very invested uh, in their lives and very interested in what they got up to. His favourite daughter, Gertrude, was very accustomed to his, quote, harmless eccentricities. Such things as rolling himself in a rug and staying there all night, eventually unrolling himself in the morning, (laughs) which is just a fun thing. Running around the house naked, claiming that he was Christ, eating raw meat and standing in front of the mirror whilst putting the stem of a rose up his penis. He would then... Re- <laughs> well, I mean, there's thorns on a rose as well, isn't there? Yeah, so he's putting the stem of the penis, uh, stem of the rose up his penis, and then he would rip it out as quickly as possible to try and cause as much Ooh. pain, and then he would eat the rose. <sighs> and then there was the regular whippings of the cat and nine tails to himself. But other than that, apparently he was a very, very loving father. Yeah, sounds it. I guess people can have secret i don't know ident not identity is not fucking superhero but you know what i mean oh what like they can be very they can have like 
one face to society and another one behind closed doors. Oh yeah, no, I get what you're saying. Yeah, for sure. Like so, like at home, but 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 this is insane. Like at home, it's not completely hidden. At home, he is the like as as far as like I say, his children are concerned, he's the best father ever doesn't mean that what he's doing is right obviously that his children are being exposed to their dad running around the house naked with roses up his penis um and like shouting i'm christ and rolling himself up in rugs like he's weird but that's all the kids know but as far as they're concerned for the time he's never beaten them he's never like shouted at them or you know had to go at them in that sense so they're like well no he was a good dad um but obviously the stuff he does is is weird around the house shouldn't not be running around the house naked in front of your your daughters no ideally not mm. now throughout the early 1920s fish now in his 50s continued his hunt for ever more depraved ways to satisfy himself he stalked children but mainly from a particular socioeconomic background those of poverty-stricken homes and children from African-American families. The reason behind these in Albert's mind was that the police would be less likely to care enough about them. And th- this is a genuine thing. I don't know if we've mentioned the uh, the phrase on the pod before, but there's this phrase, uh, less, less dead. Um, there's like a class of people that are considered to be less than dead. So uh, generally in uh, historical terms, uh, during police work, sex workers are considered to be less than dead so if sex workers just go missing from the street and the families are like uh my daughter's gone missing and they're like well she's a sex worker she's it's likely she's just moved on to another area and they don't investigate it um really i didn't know yeah so um we in the yorkshire ripper case a lot of the times and this was in the uk (laughs) uh and not too far away about sort of 50 60 years ago um yeah obviously famously the yorkshire ripper uh killed uh many a sex worker and quite often the police were like not really that bothered or interested they'd use the excuse of well it's more likely that your sex worker daughter or sister has just moved on to another town to find more work um and they just wouldn't bother trying to look for them it's crazy isn't it how people like various people in society just don't get the same treatment as others yeah no for sure and obviously in 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 america and and obviously in this country as well but um for for the purpose of this story um uh, a lot of children from black families are seen to be less than dead police just would not be interested in looking for them whereas if it was a little white girl they'd be totally interested in trying to find her um and these and let's say these are the class of people that are deemed to be less than dead mm. it just doesn't make sense no now on one occasion fish was watching two boys playing in the street when he asked them if they'd eaten lunch yet having said no Albert invited them into his home to make them lunch. While he was preparing them food, the boys were wrestling upstairs on his bed. When inevitably they fell off the bed, looking under it, they spotted a handsaw, a butcher's knife and a meat cleaver. Scared, the boys ran out of the house. One summer, Fish was in Staten Island when he came across a girl in her farm. He asked her if she would accompany him in searching for wild rhubarb. She agreed, but as she was leaving, her mother saw the two and told them to leave. Unable to get his young girl out of his mind, Fish returned to the farm later that night and snuck into the barn where he was then discovered and chased out by the girl's father. So that's lucky. That's a lucky escape. 
Mm, absolutely. Mm. Now, Fish has what's called religious mania. This constant calling himself Christ, believing that God is talking to him. He's big into the Bible and is obviously a big fan of the story of Abraham sacrificing Isaac. Now, if you don't know, uh, to sum up the story, God's all like, listen, Abraham, uh, if you love me, sacrifice your son to prove it. And Abraham's like, all bad father about it. And he's like, oh, yeah, sure, sure. Goes along with it, right? Uh, he gets him up on top of the hill and he's like, get naked, boy. I'm going to kill you now for God to, just to prove that I love him. And then like, God's like, oh, shit, I didn't realize he's actually going to go through with it. Sends down an angel and is like, can you make sure he just stops? And then the angel's like, all right, dude, like, come on. He's just fucking with you. Um, he knows you love him. It's fine. And then Abraham's like, oh, great, cool, sweet. Well, yeah. Fish believed this story wholeheartedly that if God really wanted him to stop hurting and eventually killing children, then he would send down an angel to stop him. Yeah. Mm. Now, unfortunately, in July of 1924, no angel came into the rescue of four-year-old Francis McDonnell. He was out playing catch with his friends. After failing to return home in the evening, his parents naturally were concerned. His dad was a police officer, so very quickly the police were on the case. When interviewed, Francis's friends described an elderly man with a grey moustache. Francis's mother also described seeing a grey man similarly described earlier in the day acting all weird. An intensive search was conducted. They found the boy but not under the circumstances that they would like to have. Francis McDonnell was found hanging by a tree near his home. He had been viciously sexually assaulted with his legs and abdomen suffering from severe lacerations. His hamstring had all but been ripped out from his leg. Around his neck were his suspenders for keeping up his shorts. They were wrapped so tightly around his neck they looked to be part of his own flesh. The case was made a top priority to the police. Francis's mother pleaded desperately to the public, quote, Help us catch the monster who killed our little boy. Help us find the grey man. The grey man, Albert Fish, wouldn't be captured for another ten years. Bloody hell. And that is where we're ending part one. Fuck. I mean... Well, it's already pretty fucked up. <laughs> yeah, it's uh yeah it's up there like i um, say man this is this uh, part two is the worst one yeah I, I can imagine he just sort of goes on a bit of a rampage uh yeah you could say that um so yeah this 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 guy is a piece of uh piece of work it's just it's it's another case of not justifying what these people do but contextualizing it with their upbringing if he didn't have the the upbringing he had in the orphanage, I dare say he wouldn't have gone on to do any of the things that he did. Absolutely, you're you, you're spot on. Like many other people have come to that sort of same conclusion that had he not gone to the orphanage and experienced what he had, he may not have become the person he became. A sociopath, no doubt. He may have become um, evidently have no has no like sort of feeling or care for anyone, but may not have gone on to become a a paedophile and murderer yeah. um, 
because you know he would not have been experienced to it he may not have we don't know obviously but mm. yeah <laughs> that's albert fish oh. part one <laughs> it is it's just one of those things that you don't know what to say really um it's interesting to hear about because we all like hearing about the fucking specimens of society and he yeah. is certainly a specimen oh for sure i mean uh, no it's not spoilers obviously like uh when albert is uh speaking to psychologists later on having done or more much awful things uh some truly awful stuff later on um the psychologist is begging for him not to be executed by electric chair because he sees albert as a psychological phenomena that he wants to study um, yeah, for sure and he's like listen this guy could serve us so much better if i can just sit and talk to him for like hours and hours and hours on end years in fact and find out what made this man the way he is um so like you know don't kill him <laughs> that's the only reason they want to save him in some respect but um yeah <laughs> we'll I see mean, his brain definitely needs to be examined certainly certainly but yeah we'll find out how that goes next uh next episode which um guys i am still in the process of writing uh obviously this is our halloween special i would love for it to go out on halloween however that may or may not happen um what day is halloween sunday saturday saturday i thought it's a sunday oh i don't know we'll have to <laughs> 31st is the sunday Oh, it is a Sunday. Either way, I'd, I'd love for this part two to go out on uh, Halloween, uh, exact on the date. It may or may not happen. Oh, we'll, we'll find time. We will find time. I obviously, like I say, do still have to finish writing it. I, I am. It's, it's half term in the UK and my work is insanely busy at the moment. So um, it's going to happen. Um, like I say, this is my baby. <laughs> um, mm. I will get it finished. Uh, and it's it a weird baby out. to have, but... It's, it's a, yours. It, yeah, it's a weird baby, and I'm not giving it to Albert Fish anytime soon. No, don't, because you'll never get it back. <laughs> no, I will not. But yeah, uh, I hope you guys, as much as you can, enjoyed this dark, dark episode for our Halloween um, special. I hope, James, you think about this for the rest of the day. I mean, I probably will, because with Halloween, you either get the, the fictional stories where it's just monsters and things You're like oh that's scary but then you can go about your day but then you get real stories like this where it's like wow people are actually capable of of that that's the worst bit about this really is that you know like you say in halloween you watch a nice scary film it's just a film but um no this is real this happened this guy existed and in fact these men and these people do exist today somewhere yeah i mean it's a scary thing to think about isn't it for sure, man. Protect your kids. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it is a shame, isn't it? Like, I remember when I was younger, we used to stay out all day and, like, it was sort of come home when the streetlights come on. Yeah. No, but nowadays, I just don't think you can do that anymore. Oh, yeah, no mobile phones. Like, there was no way of calling my mum if anything no, bad happened. No, like, I'll see you later. Yeah, I, so as, as a, a quick little story, I remember I was out with my cousin. We were on our scooters. It must have been 11. No mobile phones. Uh, and we're about 10 minutes away from my house. We're in the woods because I was trying to show him where the local homeless man lived. Um, and it turns out a bunch of other men had also sort of uh, descended upon the homeless man's home in the woods, in the bush. And so when we got there, they chased us and we literally, it was just, there's no like ringing your mum. It just had to run home as fast as you could and hope that you were yeah. quicker than them. 
Yeah, man. That's how it was. That's how it was. But we all survived. Certainly well, did. I'm still here. Most of us. Yeah. Yeah, man. It, it's, a, it's a shame. Kids can't really be kids anymore. But nowadays with technology, they don't want to be. No. No, they don't. All right, then. Well, uh, oh, um, make sure you follow us on the socials. Um Make sure, if you'd like to, you donate to the show, which you can do so on our Ko-fi page. There is a link to it on our social media, or there's always a link on the episode. So just check in the description uh, box at the bottom. There's always a link to it there. Uh, if you'd like to donate to the show, of course, um, you know, that would be much, much appreciated. Uh, if you'd like to check out the merch, you can do so on our store, www.twpd.store, where we've got some awesome T-shirts, hoodies, uh, and the like for you to wear. Um and yeah, I think that's about it. Please do keep contacting us, of course. We've been getting loads of messages from listeners, and it's so good to hear from you guys, uh, finally, um, properly. So yeah, it's great to hear from you, so just keep it coming. And um, yeah, join us next week, whilst we'll be getting darker uh, than we have today. There'll be no light at Joyce. all. There'll be no light at all next week. Yeah, today is just a bit dim. You're squinting your eyes. You can just about see the hand in front of you. Next week, now nah, pitch dark. <laughs> That's what we like. That's what we I like. Think. So yeah, join us next week for Albert Fish Part Two. Uh, thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you then. Ta-ra.